When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deep, deep cuts. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts Lost and Found. This is round 20. This is our season finale. The year that we are looking at is 1992. I'm here with my very best friends from high school. We went together many, many years ago. Graduated in 1987. I'm here with Bill Federko, Derek Brain, Chris Nashawadi, Richard Eyre, myself, Thomas Golovich. This is our season finale of Deep Cuts Lost and Found, a podcast where we explore some of our favorite overlooked songs from different years, share them with each other, and then vote on who had the most interest interesting share. That's the deal. So welcome to Deep Cuts Lost and Found, round 20, 1992. So it's shocking to say it, but this is sort of our season finale now essentially, right? I know. I'm feeling a little emotional. <laughs> did you think we'd do 20? It seems almost kind of shocking that we did 20. I'm amazed we did one. <laughs> I feel like we need to kill one of us off in a cliffhanger. <laughs> totally. Should be a cliffhanger. <laughs> Who's coming back for season two? Right. <laughs> Whose drug problem has gotten really bad? Who's got a debt issue? Whose mom is getting into a big fight? I just have a sniffle. That's nice. All right. Good. <laughs> so let's talk about this particular year. 1992 is an interesting time period. Uh, we are pretty well into college at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you guys graduate college? What year was it? 94. 91. I'm sorry, 91. Yeah, I'm in law school in 92. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So we're in different places in our lives essentially here, yes. right? And uh, so I'm curious a little bit about like how did you approach 92 I'll turn to you, Billy. Like, did you feel like you were being nostalgic and thinking about your experiences or did you just kind of look through the songs that you played that had that year in it? Or how did you start off your search? Um, I went back and looked at what I was listening to in 92 and it's somewhat easier for me because I keep a best of every year. And so that reminds me of what I was listening to at the time. And in 92, I was in law school and, um, Listening to a lot of WZBC, the Boston College radio station, and also reading the Boston Phoenix. Um, And those were kind of my two major sources for music. And so my picks tonight are going to be from the Boston scene in 1992. So I quickly found sort of a theme and a focus and narrowed it down from there. Yeah, I have a Boston thing on mine too, which I'm looking forward to. Sure. I saw a lot of Boston bands for tonight. Yeah, I think we all might. It might be a bit of a Boston heavy show. Rich, how about you? Yeah, Rich will help us out. A little bit of Seattle might be. I was living in Seattle. Seattle. You couldn't walk a block without stumbling into a club with a show going on. Right. With, there was so much music in Seattle, 92. In 92, I hadn't yet graduated. I kind of took my last year in sort of slowly. And um, I actually, it was a great year in the respect that I was living this real um, kind of uh, jack-of-all-trades life where, you know, I would be going to the weekend, going to New York to play shows and 
translating post-war German short fiction in my little apartment in the Hudson Valley, but then also building houses with a, with a guy I worked for a contractor. So it was this really great mix of, of vastly different activities over the course of uh, 1992 that I kind of look back at this time really fondly. In the spring, would you make meat helmets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Luge lessons. I feel like that was your Tinder profile. Like, <laughs> here's the things that I do. My goodness, that was eclectic. That's lovely. It was. It was a very eclectic time, and I loved it. I look back at this here fondly. And Chris, you had a jazz phase. Were you in your jazz phase in this little window? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I never really got out of it. I'm still in it, I guess. But uh, I spent half the year of 92 in Chicago at graduate school and the second half of the year in Jerusalem, uh, my first reporting job. Reuters? Yeah, Reuters. Yeah. So I can say safely that um, I didn't really discover a lot of new music while I was over there, or at least non-Klezmer-based music. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so I, a lot of the CDs that I bought in the first six months of the year, I really played to death the second half of the year. And some of them will be my picks tonight. Nice. Well, let's do the year in review then. So, Billy, I think this is your week, right? It is me. I am honored. And I've been scouring the interwebs looking for uh, fun facts about 1992. Um, it was a big year for grand openings. We had the Mall of America occupying 78 acres in Minnesota. Ow! That's a lot of Spencer gifts <laughs> um, and footlockers. But uh, there was also Euro Disney opened in France mm -hmm. and McDonald's opened its first franchise in China. So America's just kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> All over the globe. Exporting everything. Exactly. To touch on politics just briefly, it was a three-way presidential race. Uh, spoiler alert, Clinton won. Um Ross Perot was the third party candidate. And if you remember, he had that famous quote about uh, the giant sucking sound. Oh, right, right. NAFTA. That was a reference to NAFTA. Correct. Speaking of a uh, giant sucking sound, the Billboard charts sucked. <laughs> uh, we had stuff like Boys to Men, uh, Color Me Bad. Sir Mix-a-Lot were on the Go track. easy. Don't. All right, all right. Hold on. No, I don't know no. if all of this is worthy of scorn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Baby Got Back is a banger. True, true. Fair <laughs> enough. Some Boys to Men is all right. There was also two Jump songs in the charts. Criss Cross with Chris Mac Daddy and then Chris mm. Daddy Mac. Right. Um, the two... Hip-hop duo, or I guess that was the hip-hop duo. I think they were the youngest hip-hop duo. And they wore their mm -hmm. pants backwards. Exactly. Yep, they have the backwards pants. Exactly. They're not going to make you want to. Exactly. And the other great jump song was House of Pain. Right. So no Aztec camera jump. Right. Right. <laughs> and the guy, well, Everlast used to wear the uh, Larry Bird Celtics jersey. So there's a Boston connection there, too. Not one you'd really, not one you'd really, you know, <laughs> want to have. But yes, a, a Boston connection. Not a great one, but yeah. They were from L.A. I don't know why he loved Larry Bird, but... I know. They looked like the guys who would beat you up in a bar in Southie. That was kind of their vibe. That's just what they were going for. Exactly. Exactly. Shorthand <laughs> Irish nationalism, basically. <laughs> <laughs> what else was happening? Um, sorry, boys. Now I've lost my train of thought. We started talking about House of Pain. Um, you were going to talk about TLC's debut album, I think, was 1990. TLC was also on the charts. Yes, yeah, indeed. Favorite. Yeah. At the theaters, singles, 
rich. Uh, Seattle was a big deal. But wouldn't you say that like singles was sort of like the jumping the shark moment in a way? Like it feels like when Cameron Crowe shows up in your town right. to like make a movie about it. The scene's done. Yeah, The scene's kind of over, right? Fonzie was putting his water skis on. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah. right. The Christmas flyers from Sears, all the kids were wearing, you know, plaid tied around their waist and combat boots. It was already over. <laughs> yeah. As soon as Hollywood got a hold of it, it was over. All right. So you think when Campbell Scott shows up into town, you've jumped the shark. <laughs> I think when Hollywood shows up to make a movie, you've got, you know, when you've got Matt Dillon sitting around in a, like a, a booth with Eddie Vedder and uh, Jeff Ament <laughs> pretending to be a band. Um, what was the name of the band? Anyone remember? Touch Me, I'm Dick. Yeah, I think that's was right. That, that might have been the single. I like the way some of those Seattle people dealt with some of that. I mean, they, yeah. a lot of them had a lot of fun with it. And like, you know, I, I can't remember which uh, magazine of record got themselves in trouble by, you know, some Seattle scenester just gave him this whole list of Seattle grunge slang that was all completely made up. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the New York it, Times called uh, the like the front desk at Sub Pop Records. Yeah, and to like just, get the get like the hipster lingo from the Seattle scene. That's right. I love it. So great. And they were like just making shit up. Like, yeah. oh, flip flopping on the Jim Jam. <laughs> like, oh, okay. hello, dudes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people in the scene knew exactly what was happening and how they were being co-opted and we're like, all right, well, let's just fuck with them. <laughs> well, let's dive into the year. So, uh, Billy, you want to be the leadoff hitter on this one? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, like I said, I'm going with uh, Boston bands and uh, both of whom are sort of shoegaze bands, although maybe shoegaze adjacent would be more appropriate. Um, the first one I'm going to go with is are the Swirlies. I don't know if you guys, you guys remember the Swirlies? Yes, oh, love yeah. the Swirlies. I was going to yeah. pick a Swirlies and you beat me to it. Portland, Oregon, baby. No, they're from Boston. Swirlies? Yes. Really? Yeah. All right. My bad. Is that a challenge? Uh, yeah, is that a challenge? <laughs> <laughs> that was off challenge the cuff. Of- I'm good. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. We, we'll edit that part out. We don't want you to look like <laughs> silly. Or no. It wouldn't be the first time. So the Swirlies made beautiful noise. Um Originally, I, I didn't know this at the time, but they were originally a Go-Go's cover band. Wow. Called uh, Raspberry Berry or something. Uh, uh, but they have like, you know, obviously a real noisy sound. It's lo-fi. They were part of what's called the chimp rock scene, which I didn't even know that that was the scene at the time. But What is that? I think it's the fact that it's kind of experimental and lo-fi and it's Seems like they don't know what they're doing on the instruments. So, like, um, they, they play like they don't have opposable thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> I think chimps have opposable thumbs, don't they? Yeah, I know. But they just sound simian in their... <laughs> <laughs> Picking I like grubs. Tom is now making up for his Oregon comment. <laughs> <laughs> Trying. <laughs> Chimpra. I've never heard of that. Chimpra. Yep. Sure it wasn't Chump? I'm pretty sure. All right. What was the lead vocalist and uh, songwriter? What was her name? Uh... Guy's name was Damien, and I forget what her name was. Um, but Dam- Damien was the main guy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to choose a song from What to Do About Them, which was the first EP. Uh, real fuzzy, hazy, dreamy sound. I really like the fact that you hear this noise, but in it, you got these sweet melodies kind of swirling around. The song I chose is called Sarah Sitting, and it's a quick one. I think it's only like two, two and a half minutes long. Uh, this is Sarah Sitting by the Swirlies. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, round 20, 1992. Sarah 
It's nice. <laughs> he didn't quit it. Yeah. And, I, and also, I, I, I didn't want to offend any of our primate fans by <laughs> suggesting that chimp rock was any lesser than human rock. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the idea was, and perhaps this is problematic these days, but I think they were saying it's chimp rock because it's more primitive. They use kind of like, you know, childlike yeah. toys and give them pots and pans and sticks pots and, and pans <laughs> to bang around. And they recorded in like the backs of cars and things like that. Um, but I love that song. I think it holds up. I think it's great. I'd never heard it. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I remember the Swirlies. I like them. I'm going to go with a record that I listened to a lot. And I listened to a lot of that year. And it was one of those records that, like, once I started listening to it, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I end up just going back to it over and over again. That's uh, PJ Harvey's Dry. Oh, nice. Her debut. Oh, yeah. And it's just a record that when you're that age and I'm, I'm in college, like, you once in a while you bump into a really, really deeply complicated and very interesting woman that you find incredibly sexy, but also makes you feel incredibly unstable and not confident <laughs> and feeling like I'm just barely holding on to this conversation, but I find her absolutely riveting. And I feel like PJ Harvey has that. She would make me feel unbalanced. <laughs> I would feel like she's ahead of me all the time and I'm just trying to keep up. And at the same time, I'm trying not to think about like how she thinks about me. I just want to enjoy the moments that I'm with her. And I feel like this record to me was just that. So you've really, wait, hold on. You've really thought this through. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting a lot on PJ Harvey. She's like, whoa, dude, I was just making a rock song. A whole scenario here. <laughs> I'm glad you picked PJ Harvey. I was listening to her last weekend and I was thinking when I went to that Idols show and they, a bunch of us were thinking, why don't we listen to more PJ Harvey? This is awesome. Totally. So yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you picked it. Exactly. Tom, yeah. what, what is she wearing in this scenario, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily it's a different song. So this one is Victory. Uh, Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 20, 1992 is the year.
just three people in a room and it feels so powerful. It's just like drummer, bassist, guitar, vocalist. It just feels like, I don't know. This is like one of those records that just knocked me back. She's great. I saw her in 2001. She opened up for U2, which is not an easy thing. And uh, this was the Stories from the City, Songs from the City record. Mm -hmm. And she was fantastic. I mean, yeah, really, really good. I, I, I really love that record. Um, so great, great pick. Yeah. And, you know, she follows this dry up with Rid of Me, which is just yep. a, an amazing one-two punch, those two records, one after the other. Just yeah. ugh, so good. Yeah, it's interesting when you also look back on, like, I was reading reviews of this record online as I was digging around, and it was interesting how some, you know, well-known sort of critics, whether they were Rolling Stone or Spin Magazine or whoever were sort of like the arbiters of taste back in the day, some people really got it from the get-go, and some of them just felt like they didn't get it at all. And a lot of it also was an interesting form of male bias in the sense that I think in, in retrospect, we've all kind of grown up and understood, I think, more perspectives in the world than we did when we were in 1992. And this record to me is such an uncompromising, honest expression of the way she viewed the world. And it's like, it's great to hear it because you recognize that it's hard to get that in the first read when it's not part of the world that you know. And it's it makes me happy we've evolved. This is her debut, right? Her debut. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And she thought she'd never do another record, so she put everything into it. And it's like one of those things when you hear something like that, you're just like, wow, that's the way to do it. You come in and you're just committed. Mm -hmm. So, Derek, where should we head? I'm going to bring us back to Boston. This is a band called Come, prize of uh, Talia Zadek. Can you spell oh, that, Derek? Just C-O-M-E, <laughs> like, come on Thank over you. here. Um, you. Don't, you know, get your mind out of the gutter, boy. Um but uh, yeah, it's Talia Zadek uh, on guitars and vocal, Chris Broca on um, guitars and vocals as well, Arthur Johnson drums, uh, Sean O'Brien playing bass. Uh, Talia Zadek was in some, you know, had a really interesting career even before she joined this band. She was in a band called Uzi and a band called Live Skull. She'd just done all sorts of interesting things. And uh, Chris Brokaw was the drummer in Codeine. Um, and they just met up at a certain point and decided to make some music together. Uh, and I've, I've just always really liked this band. They just have this just incredible intensity to them. Uh, Talia Zadek's just got this, like, cigarette and soaked rasp that's just so great um and chris brokaw just plays guitar in this really interesting way i, I really like the way he plays really sort of uses arpeggios really nicely and i i just i really love what they do and uh i think this song called brand new vein is a really great example of what a great band they are and the kind of um feeling they can give you when you listen to them uh it's from their uh, record 1111 uh, it's the band Come and the song Brand New Vein. Deep cuts.
are dirgy, man. That's that's deep, deep dirge. Dirgy yeah. and dirty. Yeah, they they really create a really great mood when they play, and they're super. It's a very intense show. And yeah, very intense. Yeah, they're great. I got the opportunity to see these two, uh, Telly Zid and Chris Brokaw, at one of these like living room concerts. You know, like there's a guy somewhere in Boston here who has these concerts in his house, kind of in Lower Alston somewhere. A friend of mine, Brian, said, I, I'm going to see Talia and Chris. You want to go? I was like, yeah. We kind of walk in. It's like somebody's living room. And you just <laughs> so ended up like in this one little spot where they're like, you know, about four feet in front of us. Um that's cool. It was great. And it was just the two of them. They're playing, you know, they've both gone on to do their own music and uh, a few different bands. But, uh, you know, they played some of the songs that they wrote together and it was great. It was, uh, you know, and it still had that intensity to it, even though it was just the both of them and their guitars. I'm glad you picked this. I haven't listened to this record in about 20 years. So uh, <sighs> it's really good. Yeah, I like them a lot. Yeah, I remember these guys, but I have not listened to them in forever. There's a lot of great stuff from them. She reminds me of sort of... Um, what was her name? She was in Scrawl, and she sang that Afghan wig song, uh, My Curse. Her voice reminds me of her. Um, yeah. And also the band Cell. Anybody remember that one? C-E-L-L? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, Maybe. can't say I do. Right. That was another 92 band that had the similar sort of dark, moody sound. Mm-hmm. Chris, you want to keep us down or you want to bounce us up? <laughs> I think I'm going to pick us up. Um, nice. I'm going to get away from Boston, not... Not because of any, you know, bad feelings about the place, but uh, I'm going to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where um, the Jayhawks hail from. Nice. Um, 92 was the year they put out Hollywood Town Hall, yep. which um, is was their third record. And, you know, they've got sort of an alt-country thing going on. And um, Mark Olson and Gary um, Loris, I think, the guitarist. Um, mm-hmm. I saw them play... I didn't really know them, actually. I was pretty, pretty agnostic about alt-country early on, and I saw them play at South by Southwest in, I don't know, 95 or 96, and uh, they just really blew me away. And so I went back and bought a couple other records. This is my favorite one. And the song I would like to play is Wichita. So, Thomas, take it away. Deep Cuts.
there by Kirk and Fire and the squatters' rights. Don't your cheek get sore and your mouth get dry. Seven's on your sleeve, have a counting days, then it slouches home. In one morning, you will be mine Where the fields are smiling No more people sing la 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 In one morning, you will be mine Where the fields are smiling Where the fields are smiling such a clean beautiful alt country man it's really really nice i love this record yeah it's a good record right i love this record so much the only reason i didn't pick something off it is because i was there was sort of a later song from a later record Uh uh-huh you're saving yourself i was saving but i mean i you know i i almost did um uh crowded in the wings from this Uh from this record but i mean I don't know, or just because Wichita seemed like, oh, that's too good. I can't, that's like, people must know that one. Yeah, you don't want to choose something that's too good. You don't want to choose anything of quality. No, I just I just assumed that wouldn't be a deep cut because it's like, it's Wichita. It's, you know. Is that, wait, um, is this a passive challenge, a passive aggressive challenge? It sounds like it, it might, might be. be a backhanded challenge. It is not. It is, it's a wholehearted support of the Jayhawks. And this record, I think what you chose is great. It's just popular. No, no, I, I'm, I was, I was bopping around. I was so happy to hear this song. Um, Thomas, this record was produced by um, George Draculius. Have you run into him in your music supervision duties? Oh yeah, he is one of those cats that's like in the right place at the right time. It's, yeah. it's a little bit like um, the dude who directed Buffalo '66, who's like always in the Vincent right place. Gallo? Vincent Gallo, always in the right place at the right time. Oh jeez, he's like middle of hip hop. I'm there. Indie uh, movie scene, I'm there. Like he's just in the right place. So George is, yeah, George is one of those cats who's in the right place. He produced the record. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, he's it, no it, Vincent Gallo. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. George, I'm calling you the Vincent Gallo Music Supervisors. I hope you enjoy that. Um, <laughs> no, don't don't enjoy that, George. No, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Zelig. Um, yeah, that probably would have been better. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, Rich, where do you want to take us from there? I'm going to take us back to the Emerald City. We're back, I guess. Uh, we haven't started there yet. but um, yeah, Back, forward. We're going to go to Seattle. And what's what I like about this show is listening to some of the bands you guys pick, because I haven't heard... I've heard of the Jayhawks, never really got into them that much, but the other bands so far you've picked that I, I, other than PJ Harvey, I need to dive into sound great. And part of my process when I'm researching, what did I listen to in 92? Cause my memory's terrible. I know I was listening probably to Nirvana and, you know, Nevermind and 10 and Bad Motorfinger, obviously, but every now and then I discover a gem that I completely forgot I was listening to. And this is one of those bands and this, particularly this album, um, if you guys remember, we might have mentioned the band Pure Joy on the show, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mentioned them because I bought the record when I was in Seattle visiting you. They toured with the Chameleons, and I wondered if anyone saw Pure Joy. No, no. did not Chameleons. see Pure Joy. But anyway, uh, the lead singer of Pure Joy, Rusty Willoughby, started this band with 
a drummer of the Fastbacks. Fastbacks is another Seattle foundational band, I should say. They had a lot of drummers, including Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses at one point. Um, but uh, Rusty Willoughby started a band called Flop. They came out with an EP, I think, in 1990 or 91. This is their first uh, full-length record. It's called Flop and uh, The Fall of the Mop Squeezer. Yeah, there you go. There's Pure joy, baby. Pure joy. Mm. Is that album called Unsung? Um, it's a four-song EP, The Attempt, Courage, Ocean, and Words Conceal. Randy Willoughby played synthesizer. Yeah. And Rusty played voice and guitar. I love when Bill gets um, has visual cues for an audio show. <laughs> this is great on audio. This is just good radio. Check this album cover. If you can see what I'm wearing right now. We'll get to the song. Flop, they don't really fit into that grunge sound, really, but they're, they're more like a Buzzcocks meet the Beatles, a bit more melodic. You have my attention. Yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> Hadn't listened to it in 20 years, and then... Uh, So I've been listening to it quite a lot lately. Anyway, I picked the song Hello, and this is Flop from the album Flop and the Fall of the Mop Squeezer. You got us perked up. 1992 is the year. Round 20. Deep Cuts. That was so fun. That was good. So good. Nice. Yeah, interesting. All right. The boys from Pure Joy did good. Nice. Good stuff. One thing I love about this show is that I would never have found this band, would never have heard that song, and it just gave me a burst of joy. That was fantastic. Pure Joy, Joy you would say? <laughs> <laughs> Pure Joy. Well played. I know. Billy. What? We're back to me already? We have gone around the horn, my friend. Oh, yep. good God. Good God. Tommy, we haven't mentioned where you were in 1992, by the way. Uh, yeah. I think you were keeping it saucy with uh, Mr. Edward Bernays. Yes, you're absolutely right. You were living in that attic apartment (laughs) in his sprawling Cambridge estate 
the founder of American Public Relations. Exactly. Dreaming of PJ Harvey. We partied hard at that house in Cambridge. We did. When he was out of town, I can't imagine he's still alive. He was like 100 when you were with him. He was 101 when I was with him. 101. So he's clearly not around anymore. But man, we had some some good times in that big sprawling house. So what? That This was like some crazy post-college or end-of-college gig sort of combination apartment slash keep your eye on an old dude. Is that what it was? <laughs> I don't know that that's how it was described in the, the want ad. It was like a, a personal assistant slash come live in my garret right. sort of mm-hmm. thing. I was I was hired as a speechwriter. I ended up doing very little speechwriting. Uh, <laughs> I did a lot more. You had some writing? I think you guys can tell the story better than I can. So uh, uh, We had great times there. I just remember playing a lot of like overnight games of risk. <laughs> totally. With a lot of whiskey. Some Paris in the background. <laughs> the amazing house in Cambridge. like Yeah, the house was sick. An amazing house with portraits of Anna Freud. Yes, exactly. All the family members, because uh, he was a Freud nephew. Yes. Yeah. That was cool. That was nice. That was wild. That was a little glimpse into how the other half lives. He was a fascinating character. He had the greatest book collection I'd ever seen. So he was... Oh, his library was intense. Yeah. He's credited as sort of like the, uh, the, the godfather of PR that he started right. the whole field. He's Freud's nephew. Uh, and yeah, I got a chance to live in his house and be his speechwriter, which was super interesting because he was trying to license or create a licensing system for PR professionals to keep the ethics in the system higher. That didn't work out very well for him, but I got a chance. No. <laughs> a very ethical business. <laughs> That's you right. don't say. <laughs> I got a chance to like write great speeches about like how, you know, you should do that. And there's an ethical reason and there's a balance <laughs> to truth and so forth. Obviously, I was not, <laughs> time didn't treat me well, but it was a great experience. How nice it that was. you threw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. But Bill, you're up. So like Yes, I am up. And like I said, I've I've already announced my theme. So I've uh, I, I've tipped my hand and I'm going with um Boston bands and sticking in the shoegaze field. And so I'm going with another great Boston shoegaze band, the Drop 19s. I was gonna be pissed if you didn't play this because I, I wanted to play this, and I saw that you had picked it, and I was hoping that it didn't get jettisoned. No, it's not getting jettisoned. I am playing it. I am Good. playing it. And Tom, yeah, Greg Ackle was at BU the same time you were there. Oh, really? Oh, how fun. Yeah. So this was a BU band, of all things, Boston nice. University. Um, they got some buzz in England. NME wrote about them a little bit, you know, because shoegaze was largely an English phenomenon, but there were some American bands doing some things. Like Medicine, who I saw Nash put on the list. Um, They're amazing. Uh, Medicine, by the way. Although it takes about three minutes before they play a second note. Uh, (laughs) So I I didn't pick that song. But um, their first record, uh, Drop 19's first record is Delaware. I'm going to play the title track. They, like the Swirlies, have a really fuzzy sound. It's, It's dreamy, but there are sweet melodies mixed in there. They also do a great cover of Madonna's song, Angel, which I really, I I nearly, nearly picked. But I'm going with this one. It's Delaware from the Drop 19s. It's the season closer for Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. Round 20, 1992 is the year.
They're so hypnotic, you know, you get really lost in that. You get lost in the fuzz. Yeah. It's such a beautiful, dreamy noise. Just start staring at your shoes. Exactly. <laughs> and I love when they both have a male vocalist and a female vocalist. I mean, the My Bloody Valentine did it, obviously. Swirlies, the XX. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Unfortunately, their second album was kind of disappointing called National Coma. It took a different direction. And then they were done. And that was it. But mm. this record stands up. Uh, Delaware. Great record. Great pick. Great pick. I looked for records that had a hook in me this year. Like I felt like the ones that I was revolving were albums that meant something to me and that really grabbed me. Um, I don't know if I listened to this record in 92 when it came out. It might have been a couple of years later. In fact, my ex-girlfriend Susie, I think, was the one who turned me on to this. But it is uh, Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth mm. and their album. It's their debut, Mecca and the Soul Brother. It's one of those kind of incredible hip-hop records at the height of hip-hop. I feel like this is before lawsuits over sampling and dumb gangster shit took over. I feel like this was sort of a sweet spot. This is 92 was sort of where it began to shift. The East Coast, West Coast thing was beginning to kick in, uh, which was kind of a bummer. But this record is from a duo out of Mount Vernon, New York. Um, CL Smooth is the MC. Pete Rock is the producer. I think Pete Rock has proven himself to be one of the great producers of hip hop. Uh, a song from this album, they reminisce over you, which is dedicated to Trouble T. Roy, who was a member of the Heavy D and the Boys crew who died. Uh, it's a it's one of the great songs of hip hop. That's a hit. I didn't want to play that one. Uh, I'm going to play Act Like You Know from this record. I think it's really special and great. Um, and thank you, Susie, for turning me on to this stuff, man. It's great. <laughs> It's like that. 
I love how this record just kind of is an exploration of so much stuff. It's, I don't know, it's a great experience to listen to. Yeah, I like yeah, I'm a big fan of um, Pete Rock and See All Smooth. This is good stuff. It's funky. It's funky. Derek, where do you want to take us? Uh, I'm going to take a page um, from uh, Rich's part of the country and um, do a song by Screaming Trees. Um, nice. I did listen to uh, this record a lot, Sweet Oblivion, and particularly this song, uh, more or less. I don't know, it's just this perfect, it's almost like a sludgy ballad, you know, it's sort of really heavy, but kind of pretty at the same time. Um, but, you know, it's like a lot of Mark Lanigan's stuff. It's lyrically super dark, but it still makes me happy to listen to it. And um, I also just after reading his uh, Sing Backwards and Weep memoir and learning how incredibly messed up he was during, you know, the making of this record and the touring of this record. I mean, he was just a flat out junkie and, you know, was just taking and drinking and shooting up and snorting anything he could get his hands on during this period in his life. And all the orifices. Oh, it's kind of amazing that he managed to pull himself out of that. I mean, his life got really, really dark for a while, a long time there. And I have a lot of respect for uh, the fact that he's kind of come out of all that. Um, and uh, But I, I really like the song. Um, you know, I think I definitely listened to this at certain times, thinking about it was definitely a good breakup song. Definitely has that kind of, you know, sit there and listen to in the dark and feel sorry for yourself kind of song uh, when you're <laughs> in your in your 20s. That's definitely what this was at certain times for me. 20s, um, 30s, 40s, 50s. <laughs> yeah, you know. Whatever. I love it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Timeless. It, yeah. It's uh, more or less a screaming trees.
record is called Sweet Oblivion, which certainly seems like the mood of the record as a whole. Derek, you, you've read, it seems, every rock biography. Is uh, Mark Lanigan's one of the best? I really enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's a rough ride, right. but... Um, raw, brutal. Raw, yeah. I mean, it's almost like um, like reading Bukowski or something in real life, you know, like this was... He was <laughs> it's pretty, pretty sordid. Um, yeah, you can't go wrong with that one. Um, you know, if you want to hear the uh, depressing uh, lives of the rockin' famous, can't go wrong with Sing Backwards and Weep. Um, I think I mentioned in a previous show, uh, Kathy Valentine's uh, All I Ever Wanted from the Go-Go's. That's a really great kind of behind-the-scenes look at um, being a rock star and all that entails, although there's a lot more going on with that one. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a good one. The guitar on that track is great. Yeah. Does Lanigan play or no? No, it's the Connor Brothers. Okay. I remember, Derek, you gave me a mixtape um, one side. Not a mixtape, but uh, a tape with two albums on two sides. Um, one was this, Sweet Oblivion. And on the other side, I think was the Tree People. And I can still picture. Oh, I love the Tree oh. People. I can still picture the, the like your handwriting. Your handwriting on it. <laughs> Just a little teaser for things to come. Got a lot of play out of that one. Before Built to Spill. Yeah. That was great. I think the mixtapes that we all made, even for each other, like you can probably tell like by the handwriting, whether it was written for one of us or was written for like a girl or was written for like, you know, a family member. Like, I feel like my handwriting is very indicative of how much energy I put into the mix. I you never know? really made mixtapes for girls. I know. Huh? I don't know. I felt that felt too naked to me. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm sure I thought about it, but I just I don't think I ever really did it. I, you I don't want to put yourself just, out there. It's yeah. very vulnerable. That's too. You're sort of like. You know, Tom, on the other hand, was like, please yeah. take my tapes. <laughs> anybody, anybody. She's like, I, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> that is generally the response, by the way. Uh, Chris, where do you want to take us? Um, I guess I'll, um, this isn't the deepest cut from this band. Um, Challenge! But the band itself is a bit of a deep cut. It just, they seem to get lost in the shuffle when it comes to the early 90s. And... Um, this is a band called Helmet. Ah, yes. Paige Hamilton, uh, out of New York City. Um, what I love about the album Meantime, which came out in 92, is that it's just so fucking precise. I mean, it's just like, it's been called math rock before, and I, it has like this real Swiss watch precision. Like every note just is like, it just fits in like Tetris pieces. It's just really... 
I love it. Super tight. Um, so the song is unsung. It's sort of a hit from the record, but I just wanted to hear it. And I wanted you guys to hear it. And I want people out there to hear it again, just because, hey, what the hell? It's, it's a yeah. good song. It's been, uh, you know, the 30, 29 years. Why not? Let's let's give it a listen. Helmet are awesome. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. Round 20, 1992 is the year. It's Helmet. Just so tight and jamming, man. Ah. I didn't realize they were from New York. I yeah. thought they were from DC, like Jawbox and other uh, hardcore type. Yeah, you'd think like they have sort of a Discord thing yeah. sound, but um, he sounds a little bit like Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Oh, his totally. voice. Yeah. And I think that like if you that the sort of precision, like the the metally precision of it, 
um, you can really trace to uh, like a band like Tool mm-hmm. that would come along later. Um, not much later, but later. I don't know. I just I really think these guys are underrated or unsung, if you will. Oh, well Thank played. You. There's a great line from Beavis and Butthead where they're watching the video for this song. And uh, they look at the drummer and they're like, oh, my God, if you saw these guys on the street, you wouldn't even know they were cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't have long hair or anything. They're just like guys right. in T-shirts and jeans, you know. I love Helmet because they were right between heavy metal. They were right between hardcore and speed metal. And they were kind of like merging between them. And it's like, you're right. Like the vocals are almost Ozzy Osbourne-like. Yeah. But the, but it's so precise and exciting to listen to. It's It's not lazy and i feel like they and the lyrics are a little emo-ish and it's yeah. just it's very like it seems like they had their fingers in a lot of pies before yeah. you know a, and a great branch. great great band name too helmet yeah yeah fits yeah. them perfectly yeah. yeah but yeah can you imagine being like the bassist or drummer like that if you're not like on time like right <laughs> you must yeah. get a beating yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the bands like black midi who are out now who are incredibly tight when they play and it's just exciting because you know they're completely committed to what they're doing and they're tight they're disciplined and there's something really exciting about that which fugazi had some of that too you know oh yeah sure and that's sort of like to me this is a really exciting window that's why i thought they were a dc band i, I actually think of those two the helmet and fugazi together all the time i'm just yep. for, in my own little personal rolodex in my head but like yeah i agree yeah yep they're just great. Uh, Rich, you get to close out the show tonight. That, that's tough to follow Helmet. Jeez, I know. That was a fun one. It's pronounced Helmut. <laughs> I'm going to lighten things up, but um, I'm going to tug on a little thread that was brought up uh, with Derek's mixtapes. My next pick is a Tree People song. Nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Tree People from, uh, they're recorded in Seattle. They were living in Seattle, but they're really an Idaho band, Boise, Twin Falls area, those guys. Uh, Doug Marsh, uh, who goes on to form, of course, Built to Spill, was the lead guitarist. He sang on a few songs on this album. I'm going to pick one that is very Built to Spill-esque. I really dig this album. The cover is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the cover. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I don't want to describe it or try to describe it, but Thank you, you just have to check it out. Um, and they do a great uh, version of Big Mouth Strikes Again yes. on this. It's really good. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, closing out, uh, what are we round 20 round 20 season finale, 2021, whatever it takes tree people. This is tongues on thrones from their album, uh, something vicious for tomorrow.
Closer. Nice. <laughs> hmm. Well done. Nice. I almost went with Liquid Boy from that album. Great record. Good tune. Yeah, good album. Definitely. Album cover aside. Well, I see, I can't picture the album <laughs> cover. Do you want to like you don't want to. You don't want to describe it? Um, imagine someone with a zipper mouth giving uh tossing a salad. <laughs> okay, know. all right, got it. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like a Sesame Street gone all wrong. Okay. Sesame Street goes to the gynecologist. Yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. Okay. And on that note, um, should yeah. we go to further listening? Sure. <laughs> Billy, what is your what is your Hold pick on, of further I'm listening? Wait a minute. <laughs> Derek, what did you just say? <laughs> Sesame Street. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, Derek, why don't you take over? I What's your further listening? <laughs> we'll let Billy recover. Muppet gynecology. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'll go okay. further listening. Okay, he's recovered. Sure, okay. sure. I've recovered from that <laughs> grotesque description by Derek. Further listening, I'm going to go with a DC band. I'm going to go with Unrest, who I saw in 1982. At an 82 outdoor concert. or 92? No, I'm sorry, 92. At an outdoor concert at, uh, what was that place called? It was Fort something um, in D.C. It was an outdoor concert. Um, and these guys were just great. Uh, they had an album in this year, 92, called Imperial FFRR. Weird title. Uh, but great band. They had really poppy, fast songs, and then they had other songs that were more like Krautrock. Um, so I'm going to recommend Unrest. Nice. Derek. Uh, I'm going to recommend the Safari EP by the Breeders, uh-huh. which, you know, four songs long, but it has the song Safari on it, which is by far my favorite Breeders song. And I will uh, fight you in an alley that it's better than Cannonball. Wow. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Those are literally fighting words. <laughs> All right, bring it. Wow. Uh, Chris, you got some fighting words to drop? Are there people ready to fight over that? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't care. I was just saying, I really like that song. That's all. Chris. I am going to go with a band that you will see me play in a couple of episodes from now and in the next year. Um, but it's uh, Caius. Oh, yeah. Nice. The album Blues for the Red Sun. I prefer their next album and the circus um, came to town. But uh, this is a very good record and um, cannot recommend it highly enough. Nice. Rich. Tom, I'm going to piggyback on your nod to hip hop. There was an album this year that I forgot about as well that uh, I listened to quite a bit by the Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. They're sort of the jazz, fusion, hip hop, funk, spoken word this album, they're, you know, they're trying to steer hip hop in a in a less misogynistic, homophobic direction. I guess is the way to put it. That's all good. And a lot to say. Uh, Michael Frente is in this, and he goes off to do Spearhead. They also did an album with William S. Burroughs. Speaking of Bukowski, but um, William S. Burroughs did a lot of those, you know, those weird poetry, really dark, fun, uplifting records. But uh, the Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy, their album Hypocrisy is the Greatest Luxury. I recommend that album. Great. I will take your hip-hop uh, note and maybe raise you one. The Far Side, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. It is one of my favorite hip-hop records of all time. It's a record that is joyous. I could not find a song 
to play that wasn't a hit or that I just felt like, you know, suffered in context. So I just strongly recommend if you haven't listened to the Far Side's debut, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, it is the best glimpse into L.A. culture that I can think of. And I love this record so much. So there's my pick for that. Uh, well, let's talk about social media real quick and then we'll do our vote. Uh, how can you find us, Billy? Sure. Check us out on Twitter at uh, Deep Cuts Lost and Found. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, check us out on Patreon, where you can get bonus content, where we do a third round of this very same show, but we do a third round, extra music, premium content. Check us out. Right. Chris. And if you like the show, leave a review on Please. Uh, w- one of the streaming sites. Absolutely. If it's good. If it's positive. Yeah. If it's bad, you know, you know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm at Chris Nashawadi on Twitter. Uh, I tweet fairly regularly. A lot about movies, but a little bit about music. So uh, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm warming up to it. Uh, I'm doing at Tom Skolovich. You know, good luck in spelling it, and uh, hopefully you'll find me. But uh, at this point, Instagram mostly, and I'm working my way into Facebook, so we'll see. Yeah, baby. All right, let's vote. Remind us what we've played. Been a hell of a show. 1992 is the year. Deep Cuts Lost and Found, round 20, our season finale. Billy opened it up with the Swirlies out of Boston, not Portland, Oregon. Sarah Sitting <laughs> is the name of the song. What to do about them. What to do about them is the name of the album. Yeah. Could read my own handwriting. Uh, I came in with PJ Harvey's Victory from her debut, Dry. Derek came in with the band Come, C-O-M-E is the name of the spelling <laughs> of <laughs> the band. You. Brand New Vein is the name of the song from 1111. Uh, Chris came in with the Jayhawks and some nice alt country. Wichita is the song from Hollywood Town Hall, the album. Rich came in with the band Flop, F-L-O-P. Hello is the song from the fall of the Muskeezer. Uh, probably mispronounced that. Second round, Billy came in with the Drop 19s out of Boston. Delaware is the name of the song from the same album. I played Pete Rock and CL Smooth's Act Like You Know from their album Mecca and the Soul Brother. Derek came in with the Screaming Trees and more or less from Sweet Oblivion. And uh, Chris played Helmet, Unsung from Meantime. Rich closed out the show and our season with Tree People, Tongues on the Thrones from Something Vicious for Tomorrow. And that is it. Are you guys ready to drop your vote in? Yep. Ready. Three, two, one, hit it. Okay. Looks like Rich takes it. The last vote clinches it for Rich. Rich with flop, flop, and tree people. Tree people. Wow. Rich, congratulations, my friends. Trifecta. Well done. Nice work. Thank you. Rich Air is the leadoff hitter in our after show. Again, you can catch that on Patreon. Billy has been tremendously generous and been popping that available for everyone to check out free. And uh, hopefully you'll check out and become a, a member. Yeah, check us out. Leave a comment. We will respond to anything as long as it's positive. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to say thank you to Tom. Tom has really been uh, the spearhead of all this uh, and a, an amazing, amazing host. And Derek, Nash, Rich, I've loved doing this. I can't believe we did a whole season. Thank you guys so much. Bill, Mr. Social Media Ombudsman, back yeah. at you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, couldn't have done it without you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. I got to say for, you know, the, the pandemic had a lot of terrible things, but this is a really beautiful thing that came out of it. And I'm very thankful that we, yes. we started it and hopefully we can continue it. And thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate yes, you guys you so being much. part of this experience because we're having a lot of fun. We really love hanging out with each other and we think it's really nice to share it. And we're really happy by the folks that are enjoying sharing with us. So we hope that you'll come back for season two on behalf of Bill Federico, Derek Brain, Richard Eyre, Chris Nashawati, myself, Thomas Golovich, 
over and out. Thank you so much to Angle, to Jerome, to the whole team there for helping make this happen. Thomas, who's been doing fantastic editing and production service. Again, primarily Jerome has been the one that spearheaded. Jerome Alkir from Angle, thank you so much. Co-signed to that. Yeah, it's been a real joy working with you, and we hope we get to come back with y'all. Lots of love. Peace, everybody. Peace. Merci beaucoup. Ha, ha, ha.